0: animal control report with your hosts Ashley Bishop wow
1: did I don't you know what you're trying mo- to do there
0: did you just watch the movie Megan because that's what you sounded like kind of whoa
1: <laughs> no I didn't but I want to see it
0: my 10 to soon to be 11 year old is who,
1: who are you who am I yeah
0: uh, two movies in a row
1: no what? I gave my name you didn't say who you were.
0: Oh, that's right. I'm Daniel Ettinger. I'm the other host of the podcast. This is the Animal Control Report. Check us out at humanemaine.com. Um, You know, that's just our website. But also, if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, I'm going to say this every beginning now, just scroll down to the bottom where the stars are, and please, please, please rate the podcast. It's come to my attention. that is That is very important. So the more rating, the more better is that is that a thing?
1: No, it's not. Please don't.
0: Okay, cool. Anyway, <laughs> check us out on Instagram, the what are we called? The Animal Control Earth. Report.
1: <laughs> My gosh. You know, it's only been a few months since we changed the name.
0: It's hard, Bishop.
1: I I hope I hope our friends that are listening continue to listen. Like <laughs> we have a great show and coming up, but Dan Oh, that was a little hard. Whatever
0: you know, our <laughs> listenership is going up. So thank you for all, all the li- all the friends, all the listeners. We really appreciate it. We're gonna have a great episode today. Me and Bishop are happy to announce that we will be live in New Orleans, New, New Orleans.
1: Oh my gosh! From- somebody from somebody oh. from New Orleans, please contact us. Leave us a voicemail. New Orleans. Our both of our phone numbers are in the show notes. Five oh four. One of us.
0: Holler. Uh- um, We're going to be on Bourbon Street. We're going to do all the French Quarter stuff. We're going to have fun, fun time. But more importantly, we're going to be at the Animal Care Expo in April, April 2 through April 6. So please visit us there. And we're really excited too, because we have one of the speakers uh, on the show joining us today. She is an anthrozoologist, Marika Bell, and also she is the host of the Deal with Animals podcast. So Welcome to the show, Marika. We're really excited to have you.
1: Good morning. That was me. morning, not her.
0: Oh, whatever. <laughs> you know, your podcast is probably a little more serious than us because we just, we, we have me on this show. And Bishop would tell you, you know, that's probably a big problem, but it, we have good it, chemistry.
2: It, it makes life difficult. <clears throat> well, that's the whole point, isn't it?
0: It is. Marika, talk a little bit about your background. Uh, What is an anthrozoologist first and foremost and how you got into that?
2: Sure. So anthrozoology is the study of the connection between humans and other animals. So that really encompasses all of the ways in which humans and animals connect, intersect, interact, bond, all of those things. So pretty much any way you can think about a human interacting with another animal. Yeah. And that's that's what anthrozoologists like to study
0: time, time out really quick you said humans and other animals are you telling me a human is an animal
1: dan where the hell have you been <laughs> <laughs> my god I'm, Did being you ever I'm, be,
0: I'm being facetious here but some people <laughs> also being serious marika some people don't know that connection is that true
2: um, I mean, I, I would say that the guests on the podcast are very aware of that connection because this is the sort of thing that they're, they're sort of talking about all the time. But I think there are still people out there that don't maybe realize how strong of a connection there really is there mm-hmm. um, in terms of um, evolution, but maybe also just in terms of how similar we are to other animals. You know, we have very similar brains and um, physiologies to mammals, and, and a lot of that even goes back all the way to um, you know reptiles and birds. We still have some of those same features that they have. Um, like the reptilian so, part of
0: our brain?
2: Uh, well, I don't know if you've ever heard of this idea. OK, so the brain is basically three sections. And the base part of the section is the lizard brain, as kind of yes. colloquially called, right? And yes. that, we call it that because lizards have that part of a brain. They okay. don't have maybe the uh, the next two evolutionary leaps in that brain that we have, but they have the lizard brain, and then there's um, the emotional. Uh, generally, it's called the emotional part of the brain grows over the top of that, and then we have the thinking part of the brain that grows over the top of that, and that's that's kind of known as the human brain. Although plenty of other animals have frontal lobes, um, ours just happen to be extremely wrinkly, and that means that there's lots and lots and lots of space for us to hold information that's very analytical. So while other animals can think, they can't write a book.
0: If orcas had hands, could they write oh, a book? Jesus. No, I'm serious. Their brains are huge.
2: They have big brains, but you know we we have come to learn, I think, that brains' size doesn't really... It Bigger doesn't mean better. Ladies,
0: are you listening? The way we
2: think about it. So <laughs> orcas are extremely intelligent animals, but they're also probably not interested in writing books. Um, I was just talking to somebody the other day, though, that was uh, telling me about orcas in, in the sound here near Seattle. And she was saying that a couple of years ago, there was an orca fad where a bunch of them started wearing salmon on their heads like hats. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Yeah, you can look it up. I I was, my mind was blown as well. I went and looked it up and you can, there are pictures of orcas with salmons on their head. Apparently one just did it one day and wore it around and the others thought it was cool and they all started doing it too for a okay, while. so
0: maybe they started an own gang out in the sea and they were known as like, Salmon head or the pink fish. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah. don't come in our territory. We're the pink fish over here. It no? would
2: certainly scare off, I think, some of the more transient orcas. That would be they, a weird.
0: So they have no idea why they did it?
2: No, nobody really knows why they did it. Um, they were showing off. Maybe it was, who knows?
0: Incredible. They just
2: wanted to wear a salmon as a hat.
0: I want to be an orca. Okay. Sorry for getting sidetracked there.
2: Which is funny
1: because... <clears throat> If you guys want to go ahead and listen to our episode before this, Dan talked about his orca fascination there. I love them. It's a little bit weird,
2: guys. Just Whatever.
0: <laughs> incre- they are the most incredible species on the planet, in my opinion. Well, you but- should
2: listen to the episode then. It was a very recent episode in January, and it's it's pretty cool.
0: I will. So that episode she's referring to is the Deal with Animals podcast. You can find that on mm-hmm. Apple Podcast. It's episode fifty-four. The Orcas Are Hunting, The Quiet Sound Project with Rachel Aronson. Thank you. Part two. Oh, so there's one and two. Yes. I'm definitely yes. listening to that. Okay. That's cool.
1: usually what two means, Dan.
0: Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I love these animals. Okay. Oh let's let's refocus. So you are going to be at Animal Care Expo in New Orleans, New Orleans, however you want to say it. Uh, there's probably not orcas in the Gulf of Mexico.
2: I don't know.
0: They could probably drive there if they wanted to. But so talk <laughs> a little bit about your class, um, yeah. what you're going to be teaching uh, in, in um, New Orleans.
2: Yeah. So I have been invited to talk about podcasting with a purpose how to use your podcast to share your mission. So my main goal for this talk, and I'm, I'm, I have a, a co-presenter as well, Mindy Kullison from uh, Bailing Out Benji, who also has a podcast. Okay. And um, I'm going to talk about how to make your podcast. Essentially, if you've been thinking about making a podcast and you're in the animal advocacy, animal welfare world, and you're really sure, you know, I, don't, I think a lot of us are technophobes in the animal world. Mm-hmm. I know I am. Um <laughs> <laughs> so I am going to help people know, the ver- get the very basics to start a podcast, but also talk a little bit about why it's important for them to start a podcast, um, why they should do it, uh, and and just really how to share the enthusiasm they have with you know, the project that they're doing, with their connection with animals, um, with their community, so that they can get that message out there and share their mission share you know information about the organization or just share their enthusiasm
0: that's something we do here on the animal control report i know i goof around a lot but the reality is our mission is to really help change that image of the dog catcher and that stereotype Mm -hmm. and same with animal shelters right the dog pound Mm -hmm. it's our, our goal is to you know have people on like we did our last guest who is an animal control officer in arizona and then bring someone on like you who you know has a kind of a different connection to the animal industry And through all our jokes and and goofing around, I mean, there is a serious part of it and we appreciate it. Like we appreciate that other people are doing it and we want to be uh, champions of it in that aspect of like, Hey, how can we, we also help and and, and get that word out there.
2: Same. Yeah. And that's what I realized. What I really love about doing a podcast is that I, I don't, I I not only get to share my enthusiasm, my excitement about animals Mm and, and learning about the depth of the human connection with animals, But I get to elevate other people's voices, doing the same thing and wanting the same thing, and getting that information out there. I think there's still, you know, so so much bad information out there about animals, and you know, I think no, yeah, a little. Still, we're all so enlightened, Um, but just getting people thinking about animals more is is what I love and you know, having worked in animal welfare for a long time at various shelters and, you know, whether they're municipal or privately run, you know, trying to talk to the community about what you're doing is, is difficult. And podcasting is just such a great medium for people who want to share their message directly with the community and not have it, you know, filtered by the media who really only want to talk about the cute dog and cat stories. Um, you know, I. you just don't know what you're going to get, you know, sometimes when, <laughs> when, you're, when you're trying to get your message out there, whether it's a press release or a mailer, you just, you know, anything can happen in that almost telephone like game conversation about what you're trying, the information you're trying to, to get out. So this is a way you can just get your information directly to people's ears.
1: I kind of want to go back and talk a little bit more about you and your experience. You said that you worked in some shelters and things like mm-hmm. that. So how long have you been in the animal welfare industry and in what other areas have you been in?
2: Um, start from the beginning or work backwards? Whichever you want. Uh, so, I mean, I could start with, I, I started at a pet store when I was 15. That was my first job. I worked at an exotic pet store. Um and and that was yeah you know, I was cleaning out rat cages in the back and that's what I did for months at a time uh, just cleaned cages and I loved it and were they feed working... rats or sorry
0: were they feed rats like for, for um, exotic animals or were they pet rats
2: both both it was they were used both Um, so there was exotic animals I didn't do the feeding that I wasn't in charge of like reptiles or anything, but yeah, it was, it was both. It was really learn. It was a learning experience for me, for sure. I mean, I loved animals, um, but I was not super aware of all of the, the negative interactions that humans and animals have. And I certainly learned some of that through a lot of my experiences. Uh, I worked at, at this small pet store, and I also was a manager at PetSmart for a a while. Um, and, you know, they, they sold animals back then, too, even really big birds, which I really didn't love. And and it really got me thinking about what we're doing to animals and why. So I think that was a lot of my my... My thinking started there, but I didn't really know how to think about animals. It was really just... That something was, you know, I was aware that there was a problem that humans and animals have in terms of our connection and our interactions. Um, and I was trying to make that better. And after pet stores, I actually worked at zoos for a while as well. Uh, I volunteered at the Woodland Park Zoo here in Seattle. I was in the nocturnal unit there and worked with um some of the, the nocturnal animals, which was again, an amazing job. I mean, who gets to work with sloths and yeah, sloths? Yeah, I know. Right. Sloths and um, to manduas, which are like an ant eater frog mouth mm-hmm. birds, which are these massive, like owly looking Australian birds. They're weird. Uh- <laughs> but yeah, working at zoos, I worked with big cats for a while as well. Uh, when I was, I was doing a zoo trainer certification course and um, got to work with lions and tigers. When I was getting my zoology degree at Washington State University, I worked at the um, research unit there that was researching nutrition, and they actually had grizzly bears. Um, no, sorry, not grizzly bears, brown bears, local brown bears, um, So, which are a very, very similar to grizzly bears, which is why I said that. You can cut all this if you want to, but
0: Oh, no, no, this is great.
2: We, <laughs>
0: I say stuff all the time. We don't cut and we shouldn't. <laughs>
2: um, so I I got to work with the big predators, which is really where my passion was at the time. I really, I'm super into lions. If orcas are your thing, lions have been always been my thing.
0: Interesting. And, like uh, we're and talking I, about like African lions?
2: Yeah, yeah. I really wanted to work with with big lions and I okay. just had no idea how to get there. And so when I was a kid and I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, zookeeper, like that's the only thing I could think of. So everything I did and every choice I made was like, how do I become a zookeeper? But once I finally did that, I just realized how much bureaucracy there was there and how, you know, well, the zookeepers are doing their best. There's, there's just a lot of other stuff going on in the background that again, is not great for the animals. And I was not loving it so shout, I out, shout out
1: to uh carol baskin in our episode where we had her on Absolutely. if you need any information yeah go check was, her out
0: and she was incredible with that i mean i think a lot of people only know her from the netflix series but behind the scenes she does a lot of great work with the big cat so yeah,
2: yeah. sorry
1: no. didn't mean to interrupt you
2: no not at all <laughs> that's why we're here um so I loved working with big cats, but again, it just wasn't what I expected in terms of, you know, trying to actually help animals. Um, it didn't feel like I was helping, I guess. Uh, and so I got a little bit demoralized <laughs> and did s- some other things for a while, which I did love as well. Uh, I did art framing design for a long time, which I know is kind of like totally out of left field for somebody who's an animal person. Um, but I loved framing art and uh, I got into dog training at that point. I decided to get a dog training certification. And at that point we moved to Singapore as well. So yeah, I didn't do anything for a couple of years in Singapore. I couldn't really work there. Uh, After Singapore, we moved to New Zealand where I, I got my CPDT uh, dog training certification and I opened a dog training business. So I helped people with their dogs behavior and training issues. I was pretty confident with aggression issues. Again, I'd worked with big cats. I was like, dogs that bite, Eh." (laughs) not a big deal. Um, And I primarily, I mean, I started working with the shelters there before I even took one-on-one clients and helping the shelters with the dogs become more adoptable. I realized that there was something there that I could help more with. And I really felt like I was actually making a difference at that point. And and then we had to leave New Zealand, <laughs> okay. so uh, we moved to Washington D.C. and I got the the position as the director for behavior and rehoming programs at the Washington Humane Society, which is the shelter in, that covers all of Washington D.C. It's now called something else, um, and. And I worked there for two years, and that was amazing. That was where I felt like I'd made maybe the most difference in terms of animals' lives. And I, I really liked it and really had that shelter bug. So um, when we did have to leave there, which I was really sad about, we moved to the UK. And I started an animal sanctuary with sheep. And we also did fostering uh, and rescuing hedgehogs they're wild there uh, yeah that's so oh.
0: cool <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're a funny they just, animal hedgehogs hedgehogs i know i mean
0: sonic has i mean they have their own video game They're they got right? funny yeah oh,
1: goodness dan and after, something from pop culture <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> after after the uk when we had to leave the uk because of brexit um we came back to seattle and i had a little baby at that point and couldn't really, you know, didn't I wasn't really in the a headspace human,
0: a to, human baby, not a hedgehog. A human
2: baby, baby. <laughs> yes, an actual human baby. Who knew? I didn't ever actually really plan on that. Uh, so I had a human baby, and I decided I still really wanted to, you know, be working in animal welfare, but I also really wanted to be at home with my human baby. So I uh, looked around and became a board member at Homeward Pet Adoption Center in Woodenville, and uh, they're a cat and dog private animal shelter. So op- uh, not open admissions, but managed admissions, you know pulling animals from the municipal sure. shelters in the area and that sort of thing. And uh, so that was a very different experience than working at Washington Humane Society, which was very much an open um, admissions shelter. And uh, it was just you know bringing my experiences from both of those. oh, I didn't mention also while I was in the UK, I did my master's for anthrozoology. So, again, got me really thinking about that human and animal bond and the connections there that I hadn't really ever thought of before. Um, and when I was over here and then the pandemic started and my brain was turning to mush, I was trying to find some sort of, you know, creative outlet and uh, decided I should start a podcast.
0: And that podcast, uh, you can check it out on, again, Apple Podcast, or you can go to the website, thedealwithanimals.com, thedealwithanimals.com. You will see a female lion, I think, or a cub looking up to the website when you go there. Is it a female lion or is it a cub?
2: Yeah, I believe it's a lioness, yeah.
0: Okay. Is that what we call them, lioness?
2: Yeah. Lioness? Oh,
1: I don't know what I'm going to do with you, Dan.
0: Oh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, the podcast is cool. I, I think... When I saw this on the class registration, I need to do more listening because, you know, just me with my ADD, it's hard for me to stay in one seat for a long period of time. But I just I, I I'm so appreciative of the other podcasts that are out there talking animal stuff, whether it's, you know, your realm, whether, you know, we have don't blank up the crime scene. Um from, from Why
1: that. are you and saying "don't blank up the crime scene"? Now you're going to confuse people. We swear on this podcast, Dan.
0: I know, but I feel like Marika doesn't swear, and I want to be respectful oh. of that.
2: Oh, I swear.
0: Okay, cool. <laughs> Don't fuck up the crime scene uh, by K.D. Hurst, Kevin Hurst. Check that out too. So, like, the more I think, the more the better in that aspect, right? Because then people have options and choices, and and I I really there's so much I want to ask you about the work that you do, and I'm really excited to sit in your class too, and and I'll try not to be disruptive with my ADD, but I can't guarantee that uh, Bishop will have to sit next to me with a um... shock collar. Yep,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, I'll try to save my questions for the end. <laughs>
2: okay. oh.
0: I, I want to know more about the connection. So there's that great saying, that great quote, the greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged mm-hmm. by the way its animals are treated. Mm-hmm. How much of your work goes into the connection between food producing animals versus just, you know, wild animals?
2: Well, yeah, that's an interesting question. My work is about talking with people who are looking and thinking about these sorts of issues, whether it's our connection with wildlife and how we're treating wildlife in our backyard or Mm -hmm. in our communities. Urban wildlife is a huge um thing to talk about right now because you know we're we're encroaching more into wild lands and we're getting more animals in you know into our communities that we wouldn't have seen in the past i don't know about where you guys are but you know we have coyotes everywhere where i'm right at now we see bobcats pretty regularly there's black bears that come around all the time and and people are concerned about that and, and when you say
0: concern, like concern for their safety or their pet safety, because I can speak mm-hmm. specifically, we lost a small dog to a coyote attack in urban color, in urban Denver area. I mm-hmm. uh, just jumped, two of them jumped in the backyard, snatched his little ass up. Sorry. And uh, it, it was traumatic. I'm, I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't be lighthearted about, or whatever that word is. Like it was, it was traumatic. Like I, and yeah. it was avoidable from our, our like we could have done more. We knew it was a problem and we failed. And so I don't blame the coyotes. I blame us as the human. Mm-hmm.
2: So. Yeah. That's one of the big issues is, is how much, how, how, how much is that going to happen in the future? Right. Is that going to become a worse issue? Or are we going to be able to uh, figure out how to solve that problem? I mean, that problem's an issue everywhere, not just for those of us who live near coyotes. Right. But in Nepal, they have problems with leopards. Doing mm-hmm. exactly the same thing except eating them sometimes. I
0: was gonna say eating like kids and right. people, right?
2: And you know, discussing that exact same issue, but in Nepal, you sort of start to realize that our connection with animals is the same globally, right? We we're all having the same sorts of issues and and questions about how we interact with wildlife. And and sometimes I think we we look too locally for an answer. Local answers are great, and we definitely need to you know, make sure the community is, is with us when we're trying to solve a problem like that. But if we can also look globally and really see what other communities who've had these sorts of problems for a lot longer than we have, and by we, I'm just talking about in general, whatever problem someone is having, somebody else has had that problem or has had that concern, and we can start to look more globally, especially because that information is out there. And, and again, with podcasts, it's so much easier to get that information. Now it's not being filtered by your traditional media or even social media hype. You know, you can just say, Hey, there's this lady who's written this book on this issue that they have in Nepal with, with leopards. And they have a similar issue with elephants in Africa coming in and, you know, barging through somebody's hut and then leaving.
0: Yeah. You know, and the one, you remember the story where an elephant, a woman did something to an elephant and it killed her. And then it came back to her funeral and and literally like just like ruined her funeral. Do you recall this? I'm going to find it. I,
2: I had not heard that.
1: No. Well, they have very good memories. They, they have a very it.
2: good sense of smell as well. So they probably just smelled her still and just, I don't know.
1: Well and I feel like a lot of those so issues like are <laughs> a lot of those issues are things that have been going on for ages. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, before we had all of this new technology, there was always a concern for the wildlife coming into somebody's area and attacking kids. Wildlife
2: hasn't really changed that much, has it? No, no exactly. And and I think when people start to realize this, that it becomes a less scary issue because you can realize that there's a lot of solutions to it, even though it feels like maybe it's this, this, you know, really scary. And I'm really sorry about the, the instance that you had with the coyote too, because it is preventable, isn't it? In a lot of ways, but we don't think about it until we've had that interaction and, realized how close we really are to animals and how how thin that line is especially to wildlife
0: and how we destroy their habitat and they have to rely on eating small dogs and cats tomahawk live trap has been manufacturing humane animal capture and handling equipment since 1925 they work directly with animal control officers around the world to develop and improve their products so that they're as safe and efficient as possible save 10 on your next order by using discount code DCAC report visit them online at www.livetrap.com or call them at 1-800-272-8727 I just want to go back to that story because I was able to find it. Uh, it's you can go to anywhere you can Google it. Fox Seven has the story. So in India, a sixty-eight year old woman was basically getting water, and this this elephant came over and rushed her and killed her. And then a few days later, when they were having the um, the funeral, that same elephant—and I shouldn't laugh—came uh, back and destroyed destroyed the funeral. So it, it's there. Uh, I don't know what sparked that elephant to do that. Uh, Just Google, if you want to read the story, elephant kills woman and then returns to her funeral and attacks her corpse. Um, They're just creatures of like this world are amazing. One thing that you didn't talk about though, Marika, with that connection between humans and animals and how it, and how it, you know, affects us in some aspects, the, the rabies risk in other countries is so much higher than it is here. Um, It's something that, I don't know if it goes un, unsaid because obviously we talk about it, but it's um, it's a big deal.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was a huge deal when we moved to Singapore and we had three cats um, and a dog that moved with us. Um, getting a, an animal from the U.S., which does have rabies, to a small island with no rabies at all was quite a project. Uh, they had to be in quarantine for 30 days and they have these special, super fancy quarantine facilities in Singapore uh, where they they have to stay. There is no getting around it. You can't get any kind of waiver no matter how many rabies vaccines they've had. And, um, and I mean, island communities certainly take it extremely seriously because if rabies breaks out on an island, you know, there is there's not a whole lot that they're going to be able to do. So they take a lot, they make a lot of effort to make sure it doesn't get there. And Hawaii is the same way. Um, I mean, luckily when we moved to New Zealand, we were moving from Singapore, which was rabies free to also New Zealand, which is rabies free. So they let us, you know, move the animals straight in at that point. And I didn't have to, they didn't have to quarantine again, but it's, it's taken very seriously. Yeah. Do
0: you know if that applies to real, and I say real service animals?
2: (laughs) I, I imagine it does. Okay. I don't know though. That's a really good question, but they're, they're pretty serious about it. It
0: should be. I mean, invasive, an invasive virus like that is not good. So
2: no. And there's a lot of street animals in in Singapore, not as many I saw in New Zealand, but you know, Singapore has a lot of, a lot of street cats and, and plenty of dogs as well. So it wouldn't be, yeah, it would be bad.
1: It must have been interesting to see how the animals were treated in those various locations that you've lived between Singapore, New Zealand, the UK. Mm-hmm. Was there a lot of significant differences?
2: Yeah, there really was, uh, and and that was always really fascinating. And and going back to wildlife too, there was so much the wildlife was different in other places, which I know that seems like a really obvious statement of course the wildlife was different but i don't think people realize how i don't know for me that was a really big thing because i'm used to just going outside and being like okay i know what kind of animals are in my area i've grown up in the pacific northwest i know you know what to what to be concerned about what not to be concerned about but in singapore i had really no preparation for a eight foot lizard crossing the road <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just sort of like, eh, that's all right. You know, this is, this is normal. Um, or, you know, seeing this beautiful snake and, and looking it up later and realizing it was a Southeast Asian spitting cobra that could have paralyzed wow. me and killed me. Ooh. Like I just walked right up to it. Right. Cause there's no dangerous snakes in the Pacific Northwest. Um, so, That was, that was a learning experience for sure. And then going to New Zealand where there's no large mammals, no wild, like the biggest large wild mammal. What is it? It's probably a
0: A dingo. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) A dingo.
2: A dingo. They don't have them in New Zealand.
0: Oh, they don't. Okay. Uh,
2: No, New Zealand is totally separate from Australia and has been for such a long time that they really just had birds. They didn't have (laughs) mammals. That's so incredible. birds evolved on New Zealand, which is why they had these giant moas, which are, of course, no longer there. But they also have kiwis. They had a lot of ground birds, even a ground parrot called a kia. So all the birds cool. are ground, not all of them, but there's a lot of ground birds in New Zealand, um, which you wouldn't get if there were, you know, predators. Mm-hmm, so there was mm-hmm. there was no large predators. Wow.
0: That's incredible. You're so well-traveled and obviously, like, educated when it comes to animals. Give us a, like a, I'm going to just ask this question. So whatever pops in your head first would be great. Give us a random fact that you love about any animal.
2: Um, I love animal oh. dances. Oh God. The, <laughs>
0: the skunk war dance.
2: I I don't even know all of the animal dances, but the fact that animals dance, I think is awesome. I mean, maybe we're using it in sort of an anthropomorphic term, Mm -hmm. but it's what we view as a decorative display, right? And they're, they're doing it for whatever reason. I remember looking into a turtle pond and there was this big female water turtle and she's just like hanging out. And uh, there was this little guy with these long claws. And he was, I think he was a painted slider of some sort. And he went up to her and just started like flashing his claws in front of her and doing this thing with his hands. And I was like, is he doing a sexy dance? Like (laughs) he was totally just trying to get her going. And she just turned around and swam away. I'm
0: watching one right (laughs) now on YouTube and it's adorable. Is it true? It's the cutest
2: thing ever. It's super
0: cute. Is it true um, that basically orcas and dolphins are the only other animal mammal that have sex for fun?
2: Oh, gosh. I believe no. they do have sex for fun, but I have a feeling other animals probably do bonobos. too. Bonobos. Oh, Fish. yes, bonobos for sure. Bonobos What's have bonobo? sex for everything. everything. Yeah, everything.
1: <laughs> when they're happy, they're scared, because oh, they want okay. to, to mates male on male, female on female, mm-hmm. you name it. Bonobos are horny little things. They're all okay. about
2: the sex, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Good answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> bonobos are chimps. Or chimps? Yes, um-
0: Yeah, Yeah, they're a
2: a chimpanzee. Yeah,
0: that's fantastic. Good stuff. What are you most excited about teaching this class? Like, what are you looking forward to at HSUS?
2: I'm really looking forward, first of all, to finding out who else wants to start a podcast, because I'm really excited. Um, I actually want to start a a podcast network for animal welfare podcasts, animal advocacy podcasts. Sorry?
0: How do we join that?
2: Well, I will let you know when I, I, I I'm starting to sort of plan it all out. I've been taking, you know, been, been researching it and it, it, sounds really fun in a way that we can sort of lift each other up. All of these animal advocacy podcasts can, sure. you know, cross, um, you know, uh, what is that called? Cross
1: promote
2: uh, Cross promote and uh, share sponsorships and, and just support each other in, in how this process works. Again, I'm kind of a technophobe. I, it's bizarre that I started a podcast, but I feel that I'll, I think that I can help other technophobes <laughs> do the <laughs> same thing because I, I will know what they don't know, right? So I'll be able to sort of help people get their podcasts off the ground because it's a lot easier than it looks. And even a technophobe can do it, which is why I really want to get other people doing it too, because there needs to be more information out there on animal advocacy and on an, on animal welfare and on all the organizations and people that are doing that. I think there's plenty of stories in the news about all of the terrible things going on and hearing all of the great stuff that people are doing for and with animals is, is only going to help everything.
0: And we're more than happy to help in that realm too. You know, we've been mm-hmm. doing this podcast. It's been around for this is our fourth year and we're That's just it. excited to be able to to share our background. And, and, you know, I, there's, there are times where sure we have serious discussions, but for us, it's more about keeping it like lighthearted and fun. And hopefully it, it retains listeners. Right. So we don't want it to always be that situation that is extremely serious. Um, You know, we all listen to podcasts and sometimes that can get a little boring. So we try to like bring We try to raise the spirits because we know how hard the job can be. So Mm -hmm. if you're driving around listening in your truck and you just finished a call for like uh, animal cruelty and you got off the phone with one of your partners and you're just talking through the case, like we want to be that outlet so you can just listen to something and and maybe just kind of veg out a little bit. Maybe it's different than listening to your favorite song or, or something like that. Or it provides you with resources. I mean, we have tons of episodes with some, you know really great guests that provide some outstanding resources to help you with cases.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's, there's just so much call for getting that connection out there. And I think there's so many people who are animal lovers, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just those who work with animals every day. There's people that just have pets and think about animals and have animal tattoos all over their bodies and decorate (laughs) their house and, you know, cats And, and I want to hear about all of that. You know, I love, I love hearing about how people connect with animals.
0: And I'll be really honest. uh, It's taken me a while to accept this, that, you know, growing up as a kid and I'm an older person, Bishop, how old am I? Old. Okay, cool. And, (laughs) you know, like growing up where, you know, if you had dogs, a lot of times your dog would just go and run the street Mm -hmm. for the entire day. And now our society, and and there's a lot of theories behind it, but animals, especially dogs, especially cats, and and I'm not leaving out some of the other exotics and things like that because they they do fall in this category as well. But animals are now family members, right? They are not necessarily seen as pets. Uh, Mm -hmm. They are to some people as important or more important than their own children. And so as we look at that from especially like the enforcement aspect that animal control officers have and understanding that and being empathetic to those situations, it's only going to help us further. I often joke and it is around tax season. So this is part of the joke is like I would all, always say if I can't claim a dog or a cat on my taxes, it's not family. That's not the truth, right? People have these animals and, and you know, I, I can relate to it. I mean, my dog is my bestest my bestest friend he's over there sleeping um, but you know he would wake up in a second like when i roll off the bed onto the floor by accident <laughs> check out the previous episode for that he's like what happened let's go we're ready but my point is when we start realizing that and accepting that i think we can do better for the community
2: yeah yeah and and not just the animal community too i think humans lives will improve when we have a better relationship to the animals that we live near and mm-hmm. live around and live with. We Absolutely. just have to
1: get society to learn and accept that as a
2: whole. You know, I think the more we get people thinking about it, the more they will come to that. I don't think we'll have to get them to do it. I think it will happen naturally. And oh, it's a long process. <laughs> and but all of the, us doing
0: things like this yeah. will help, you know?
2: Right. And you know what? If, yeah. if it wasn't an issue if everybody had these perfect relationships with animals all the time and everybody understood animals then we wouldn't need to do this which and that would also be kind of sad because I like doing it
0: <laughs> I think there will always be a need for something like this not only is it educational but it's entertainment right to hear stories about whether it's about how you've gone all around the globe and and always had a connection with animals like that's pretty freaking awesome if you ask me. I think there's a lot more to know and and that's one of the reasons I'm looking forward not just going to your class in HSUS but like after class when there's an opportunity to network and just have face-to-face discussions. I think that's so important for people.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I love that part of it too. It's great. It's um it's going to be so much fun. I, I can't wait to do it. I've been, you know, I've, I've I've gone to HSUS Animal Care Expo a couple of times now and it's. I think it's one of the most important conferences because for animal welfare and those who work in shelters, it, it not only gives you these, you know, great new ideas to bring back, and to bounce ideas off of each other. So you're sort of creating this growth of of thought within your own shelter when you bring that back. But you are really meeting new people with different perspectives and. And that's again, that's that's why I like to go to these things. It's not just about what I'm going to learn from the amazing courses and seminars that are going to be there, which is always tons of fun because I'm kind of a greedy learner. But but just meeting the people is is fun. I like I like talking with people, and I know that's that's going to make a lot of introverts cringe. But I just get super uh, energized by these sorts of things.
0: Agreed.
1: Where
2: have you guys have, have you guys been doing I mean, traveled around and had any interesting animal stories from from when your travels?
1: I live in Wisconsin. I've never moved out of Wisconsin.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Like, it is Wisconsin.
0: I, I guess for me in that realm like I've just been so blessed and I'm so grateful for the opportunities I've had to go teach at places and I've been around the country not I'm not world world traveled like you are but I I think hearing all the different stories understanding how for for me in the perspective of our profession animal control specifically how different it is in every state how different it is in every jurisdiction how some officers have the ability to potentially arrest somebody if necessary or how some officers have resources to help people instead of write tickets and so that that stuff is fascinating to me I'll say specifically to the animal stuff you know I've had in this profession some great like you know dealing with livestock or dealing with wild animals you know one of my favorite cases just a general case was uh, a marmot if those that don't know what a marmot is it's like a What's it closely, what's the close relative to it? Is it a beaver or is it a, a gopher? A gopher, right? Gopher.
2: That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. a
0: gopher. So it's because I was in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm running, and I see these, what I thought were marmots. I'm like, wait, we're too low. And it's, it was a gopher. And so, but marmots live at like above, I think, 8,000 feet or 7,000 feet, somewhere in there, probably 8,000 feet, maybe even higher. And it got a, it somehow got into a vehicle in Denver And me and my, my, when I worked my coworker, uh, she helped me get the, the marmot out of the the vehicle. And then we drove it back up or I drove it back up to the mountains a few hours away. Like just neat stuff like that. How like maybe 30 years ago or, or maybe even less animal control agencies would have just put it down instead of put it back. Right. And so like hearing those stories and being part of that is really important.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, hearing what other people are doing is what helps us progress and try new ideas.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) Kind of like the, uh,
1: Oh, Dan, what was his name? The guy hit Taka that, um, throws the net.
0: That guy. I know who you're talking about. Kevin had him on his show. Don't fuck up the crime scene. Check that out. Um,
1: I can't think of what his name is, but I want to try that now.
0: Yeah, no, that was super like innovative in the, the ability and skill that it takes. I mean, obviously he could do himself. He could do a whole class on how to do that and, and teach people a new, a new skill, right?
2: Wait, you'll have to fill me in. What, what is this skill? So
1: it literally he was taking, when trying to catch different animals, usually dogs, um, taking essentially a fishing net and throw that
0: though.
1: Right. Huh? Or no, it wasn't. No, launch, It had, a, a, handle. It had, yep, it had right. a handle. Um, and couldn't get close enough to the dog to, you know, get a leash or whatever on it. And the dog would go running and he'd just throw the net. And there's actually on YouTube videos of him doing this. Um, and he's catching the dogs.
0: Amazingly
1: throwing a fishing net over him. And I'm like, that is absolutely
2: genius. And I want to try it now. (laughs) I I feel like there were cartoons where where animal control officers did that sort of thing.
1: Right?
0: (laughs) And there was. And so, I mean, it brings you to why I'll be at HSUS, actually. I'm I'm glad you bring that up. So the cartoon, if you look at it from that aspect, you know, showed the dog catcher, showed us not being innovative and maybe didn't understand us in a lot of aspects. But I also think that was a, a big representation of our profession was And not in this case that we're talking about with the guy in Texas, because there's a need for it, but uh, showed that unempathetic, right? Kind of dog catcher stereotype. Um, And so the conference is hosting or having like a, almost like a science fair. It's not a science fair. What what was it in school where you had all the little posters? There was a name for that. Was it a science fair? fair? It was a science
2: fair. Okay. So they're doing something similar. Yeah.
0: Um, where they're doing like a poster exhibit. And I, yeah. I've uh, been asked to present uh, what I call humanizing the badge. Um, and that's actually a class that I teach too. But uh, it's really to show the, the history and understanding. One thing that we don't talk about and what I found out through my research in 18... So in New York City, there was a. it was called the 1811 uh, Law Concerning Dogs. And what they did during that time, not to bury the lead here, but if you come to the conference at HSUS, which I'm sponsoring somebody for that. So just text or or call me or email me. um, They basically would pay a bounty of $1. Now back in 1811, a dollar was probably close to $20 now Mm -hmm. for each dog body that you brought in. So you were allowed to kill any dog that was outside of the lamppost district in New York City, uh, especially, or any dog that had a history of biting because of, um, or showed propensity to bite because of the rabies concern. And, and those, uh, the, like that time is so gone, but I could see why the dog catcher became so villainized. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because technically the term then was called the dog collector. Like that was the, the term. And so just kind of moving on past that stereotype and, you know, getting people to see us in a positive realm, there's that new television show coming out in about a week, um, Ten days, eleven days. It's called Animal Control, and it's a comedy on Fox. Hopefully, we'll will bring some positive, I guess, insight into the into the work world. Though it's a comedy, who knows how they're going to portray the officers? So
2: yeah, I always worry about these sorts of things when they come out. Sometimes they can be great, and sometimes they can really be cringeworthy.
0: They can uh, absolutely. So I'm just looking forward to continuing to to network, like you talked about, and for us as a profession have more people do podcasts, have, a, like you said, a network where maybe we join your show and talk about an animal experience that we had, or you come back on and we talk about some of the studies that you've done. You know, this was more of a general session to really talk about who you are and, and what you're, you know, bringing to that, to the class there in in April and, and just kind of get to know you better.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. And you know, being able to share my podcast with everyone is, is exciting too, because I really love the people that I talk to and the stories that I get to hear. I I feel like everybody should hear them. There's so much fun. And there's so many ways again, that humans and animals connect and interact. And it really opens your mind to what all of those different connections look like and, and how different it is for everyone really. And yet still how similar we all are. Absolutely.
0: Well, we want people to check it out again, the deal with animals podcast. You can check that out anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also check out the website, the with animals.com. I had a brain. <laughs> Hello, That's me? It's me. It's me. I'm the pro. Okay. Um, the deals with the deal with animals podcast. Please check that out. If you're at HSUS, sign up for the class. I think it's going to be an incredible one. Uh, we really appreciate your time today. Was there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to make sure our listeners heard?
2: No, I think that we covered a lot.
0: We did. Great. Well,
2: Thank
0: you. yeah, we appreciate it. Check out our website, humanemaine.com. Check out our socials. Uh, that's 206. Oh wait, that's my social security number. Check out our socials <laughs> on Instagram, the Good Animal thing. Control Report. We have fun stuff there. Also, there was something else. I was, Oh, yeah. If you're listening on an Apple Podcasts, scroll down to those stars. Give us a review. It really means a lot. I didn't know how much it meant until I learned about it. So please hook that up. Call. Text the show. Our numbers are in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, on the Animal Control Report, we like to say thanks for listening. And keep, keep it
1: humane. Humane. <laughs>